It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. I have said there are three answers to the questions of God's existence. Either no maybe, or yes. Our answer to this question is determined by our overall philosophy of life, the lens through which we view all of reality, namely our worldview. First, allow me to discuss the no answer of God's existence, or in brief, God does not exist. This is the atheist's or non-theist's answer. Since the late 19th century, powerful voices in Western culture, atheists, scientists, philosophers, historians, university professors, artists, and science popularizers have insisted that science has rendered belief in an all-powerful and all-good God implausible, claiming that the available space for religious belief has so narrowed to make theistic belief almost extinct. The typical claim is that science and traditional theistic belief are at war. But Dr. Stephen C. Meyer, the philosopher of science, director of the Center and Culture at Discovery Institute, and best-selling author of Darwin's Doubt and Signature in the Cell, challenges this view in his book, Return of the God Hypothesis. Myers reviews all relevant evidence from physics to cosmology to molecular biology to build a case for theism. He examines three scientific discoveries with decidedly theistic implications and argues that theism, with its affirmation of a transcendent and active creator and intelligent designer of the universe, gives a better explanation for what the three scientific discoveries reveal than materialistic-slash-naturalistic, deistic, pantheistic explanations. I will return to discuss this book in a future episode. In episode two of this program, I showed that atheism leads to nihilism, where nothing has any value, meaning, or purpose, and that nihilism is self-defeating. Thus, the no answer to the existence of God is wrong. Secondly, the maybe answer. God may exist. This is the skeptics and agnostics answer. There are two categories of agnostics, soft or hard. 
All of us are soft agnostics because we do not know everything that can be known. We all use a small percentage of our total mental capacity. But even if we draw on all 100% of our brain, our knowledge would be paltry when compared to all that could be known. Hard agnosticism is the belief that it is not possible for humans to know whether or not a god or many gods exist. Hard agnosticism is self-defeating. Why? Because it claims to know something about whether or not God exists, but that is what hard agnosticism declares is unknowable. Of the three possible answers to the question of God's existence, the first two answers arrived at some unsettling conclusions. I did not disprove atheism, but showed it leads to nihilism, and that nihilism is self-defeating, and that therefore is false. Thus, atheism is an existentially empty, unsatisfying, and false. Besides that, hard agnosticism is self-defeating and therefore false. I turn then to the third possible answer, the yes answer, which says God does exist. Evidence for God's existence can be divided into five categories, scripture, nature, conscience, experience of the Holy Spirit, and reason and philosophy. One way this is demonstrated is in apologetics and natural theology. Natural theology deals with what can be known about the existence and attributes of God arrived at by applying the natural faculties of sense and reason apart from any supernatural revelation. Philosophical arguments based on the order and design in the universe are examples of natural theology. Note, I am not claiming reason can bring one to belief in God. What I am claiming is this. Reason no longer stands in the way as it once did. The last 70 years have overturned nearly all the important assumptions and predictions of an earlier generation of secular and atheist thinkers related to the issue of God. In 1948, on a BBC broadcast, the agnostic Bertrand Russell and the Jesuit priest Frederick Copleston debated the existence of God. Russell probably won that debate using arguments in vogue at that time. Fifty years later, Anthony Flew and William Lane Craig debated the same issue. But the former arguments no longer were successful because they had been overturned by scientific results. As a result, Flew became a theist. In 2007, HarperCollins published the book there is a God, how the world's most famous atheist changed his mind. 
The book recounts how Flew followed the evidence to arrive at a new worldview for the one who for over a half century had been the champion of atheism. Number one, scripture assumes God's existence is a fact. The very first statement of the, of the Bible is in the beginning God, Genesis 1 verse 1. It asserts, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, Psalms 14.1 and 53, verse 1. Second, nature affirms God's existence. The Apostle Paul writes, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. That's found in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. Third, conscience attests God's existence. Paul writes, Whenever people who don't possess the first five books of Moses as their birthright commit sin, it still confirms that a law is present in their conscience. For when they instinctively do what the law requires, that becomes a law to govern them, even though they don't have the Mosaic law. It demonstrates that the requirements of the law is woven into their hearts. They know what is right and wrong, for their conscience validates this law in their heart. Their thoughts correct them in one instance, and commending in another. That's found in Romans 2, verses 14 and 15, in the Passion Translation. Fourth, the experience of the indwelling Holy Spirit authenticates God's existence. The New King James Version of the Bible records Paul writing to the Romans saying, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. That's in Romans 8, verses 14 to 17. I like the Passion Translation rendering of the same passage. Let me read it this way. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him, saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father,
For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. We are heirs of God himself. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. Fifth, apologetics and natural theology use reason to argue philosophically for God's existence. It's worth noting that the kind of reasoning philosophers engage in is not of a special, rarefied sort, but rather, for the most part, everyday, garden-variety, common-sense reasoning of the kind we all apply when trying to figure out what is wrong with our car, whether someone is telling us the truth, or how to go from point A to point B by the most efficient route. The Bible is written on the premise that the evidence is so strong that no informed person would deny his existence. Theists affirm all the five categories for evidence for God's existence, but probably the non-theist would resist the first four. Thus, in conversations between theist and non-theist, we are limited to the discussion of the fifth category. There are different types of philosophical arguments that put forth the existence of a theistic understanding of God. Thomas Aquinas gave five ways we can demonstrate God's existence. He argued, one, from motion to an unmoved mover. Two, from effects to a first cause. Third, from contingent beings to a necessary being. Fourth, from degrees of perfection to a most perfect being. And fifth, from design in nature to a designer of nature. Behind these arguments is the premise that all finite changing beings need a cause outside themselves. In the future, I intend to give at least three arguments for the existence of God. One, a cosmological argument regarding the beginning of the cosmos. Two, a teleological argument regarding fine-tuning that designs the universe for life. And three, a moral argument regarding moral values and duties. Let me give a short summary of today's episode. We discussed the three answers to the question of God's existence, either no, maybe, or yes. No and maybe lead to unsettling conclusions. The no answer comes from the atheist, but atheism leads to nihilism which in turn is self-defeating. The maybe answer comes from the skeptic and agnostic. Hard agnosticism is self-defeating. The third answer, God does exist, uses evidence for God's existence, which is divided into five categories. One, scripture 
assumes God's existence. Two, nature affirms God's existence. Three, conscience attests God's existence. Four, experience of the Holy Spirit authenticates God's existence. And five, apologetics and natural theology use reason to argue philosophically for God's existence. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith, with Joe Mott.